You are listening to A Called Collective podcast, where we seek to equip the next generation of ministry leaders. A Called Collective produces multiple podcasts, which you can find in the description below. To learn more about The Called Collective, visit our website at thecalledcollective.org or check us out on Instagram at The Called Collective. What's up, guys? This is Coffee and Colin, where we just chat over coffee. I'm one of your co-hosts, Isaac. I am Noah Yero, and thank you so much. Sit back, enjoy, and come along for the ride. We're gone! <laughs> yeah, we're back. Another episode. Glad, uh, glad to hear you guys, and I guess not hear you guys, but you guys can hear us. Isaac, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good. <laughs> I always find it interesting to see how the intros are with these podcasts, especially with this one. It's fun to watch you kind of struggle through some of them. Because <laughs> I don't want to do the same thing every single time. That's very true. Not What's up, guys? Welcome back to Coffee and Calling. Welcome to Coffee and Calling. We're so glad you guys are here and joining us today. You know, it's Welcome just, back to my vlog. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Welcome to the vlog. Exactly. But you guys hear a new voice on the podcast. And it's not my beautiful voice. It's not mine either. So who is it, Isaac? It's Mickey Fulton. <laughs> Woo! Thanks Mickey. for joining. I love the sweater. Thank you. Thank you. I find your lack of cheer disturbing with Darth Vader. Yes. Mm. That's Classic. ideal. That's Christmas ideal. Season and Star Wars season all the time. Yeah. That's fair. Okay, wait. I have a question then. Yes. If you're big on the Christmas cheer, mm. does the Christmas cheer start before or after Thanksgiving? Before. What? Wow. Before. When? Before. How early? Um, yeah. I put up my tree November 1st, but oh I listened to days. Christmas music on Halloween. It was fun. <laughs> we uh-huh. have a heretic in the building. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That's like the opposite of me. Our family Ooh. was so, our family was always so late for everything for Christmas. We were so busy that it was like Fair. two weeks before. My parents start so early. They're like, why set up all this stuff and not enjoy it? Okay, that's time? that's fair. We set it up how the day late. after Thanksgiving. How late do you guys have it up? They take it down right after because they work in the school system. And so they're like, we're still on break, so we might as well use it. That's that's true. Nice. Well, when are you going to take it down? <laughs> I don't know. I always just take it down the day after. Because it's like, once Christmas, ha- once Christmas happens, it's like, Christmas is done. I'll do it in shifts. Because we're going to the know, new year. Like, the outside <laughs> stuff can come down early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We leave the tree up. It's in slow while. denial, you mm-hmm. know, of that. We just keep it up for yeah. like half of January. That's fair. <laughs> well, all right, we get it. You're in the festive spirit. But would you give just a short, quick introduction for the people listening so they have an idea of who you are? Yeah, so I'm Mickey Fulton. Um, I attend IWU. Um, my passion is youth ministry. And so that's what I want to do the rest of my life, plant myself in a community and do it long term as long as I can, even though that's not super typical of youth people. Wow, yeah, youth I was about people. to say I got someone to the left of me thinking about that too. Yeah, well, I I, I like the idea of being long term and pastoring. Mm-hmm. Isaac's over here like oh, right. no, I, I want to go. I don't relate to any of you guys on that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's good. But thank you for joining on this. And as you know, with the title is Coffee and Calling, and so we're here to talk about how you've come to this place, right? What Obviously, there's a story behind um, this statement that you just had about wanting to be in youth ministry for a long time. And so, however much you want to share, however little you want to share, would you just take us there and how the Lord has really worked in your life to bring you to this point? Yeah, so what's really interesting is that where I grew up, there wasn't a lot of full-time youth pastors. I didn't actually know it was a job. Um, (laughs) There was a lot of volunteers. Um, You'd see short devotionals and a lot of games. Um, And my 
church actually didn't have a youth program when I was a teenager. They did before, but then the pastor moved. And so I was sitting there and I was like, oh yeah, you know, church is where like the old people are. You go, you <laughs> serve, you sing, you leave. Um, and then my friend actually invited me to go to her youth ministry my freshman year high school. And so I said, oh, you know, why not? Just another one of the places I go for games. So I went to another one. And so I went to that one. Um, and that one was a little bit different. They actually cared about communicating the word a little bit. Um, so not just not just entertainment <laughs> or daycare or something yeah, like not that. Yes, pizza parties. Yes. But the games at the other place were so nice. <laughs> they were so fun. That's fair. Um, That's fair. But I found my youth pastor there. Um, and I started going the rest of my high school career. Um, and so before I wanted to go into youth men, I kind of was thinking about like psychology a little bit or something like that. Um, because for me, growing up, I couldn't really share my feelings much when I was younger. Um, I didn't feel anywhere safe to do that. And so I just held on to everything. But when I met my youth pastor, um, we had all these conversations where I could actually talk to him about things I was going through and struggling with. And so um, I wanted to be that for someone else. And so I looked into psychology, counseling, um, and I was really struggling. I'm like, man, what do I say to people when they're like, nobody cares about me? And I'm like, oh, well, I can't say I care about them because they're paying me to talk to them. And so that's not really beneficial. <laughs> um, that's a good point. <laughs> um, but then I'm like, oh, you know, I could say God loves them. And I'm like, ah, but could I in certain fields? Could I actually say that? Maybe they don't believe in mm. God. So that wouldn't have any beneficial, um, anything beneficial for them. And so I was like, what else is similar? And I just couldn't think about it. And then I found out my youth pastor got paid. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> <laughs> wow, that might be, that might be something I could go yeah. into. Obviously not a lot of money. Um, but I was like, oh, youth pastor is actually a job. And so that was kind of the heart where I started to, um, that's where I was like, wow, this could actually be something I could mm. go into. And I remember going to this concert once um, and my friend's mom was reading the Bible in the morning and I was like, wow, like look at her diving in the word. Like what's something that I could do that like, I don't want to be distracted from that. I want that to be my job. Um, <laughs> and so I initially thought like, oh wait, I could be a youth pastor. I could learn the Bible mm -hmm. for a profession. Like that's something that's an option for me. Um, and so when I came to IWU and I started learning more about it, I learned um, that there's an awful statistic where pastors only, like youth pastors only stay six months to two years. I was like, that is ridiculous. This is the time in someone's life where they actually need consistency. So true. Um, and, you know, as I talk to more people, they're like, yeah, it's just, it's not an option really. You know, you grow and you want to leave and you get different opportunities and that's just not something you stay in. And I'm like, well, that's ridiculous. Um, my parents have been working in the school system for over 20 years and they are now teaching students of students they had earlier in their career. Like they're building this legacy where people know their name because they've had multiple generations have them. And I'm like, what kind of an impact could a church have mm. on people and a community if you just stay there and go for the long run, which is hard because one, I'm a super ambitious person. So I love taking new opportunities. Um, but God just teaching you like, Hey, like, I'm here for you all the time, and so I want you to be that consistency for someone else. Wow. Um, and so that's a little bit of my calling into where I am now. Yeah. Yeah. One thing um, I'm curious to, like, to go into a little bit was there wasn't really a moment. Um, like, say, for example, when we, when we have other talks with people about their calling, they all, like, they're like, I can point back to one moment at a church camp when there was a call to the altar of, 
somebody's called the ministry. And they're like, it was me. And, and they run for something. <laughs> you know what I'm kidding. saying? Like where they can point to one moment where something crazy happened. The Lord's like, I'm calling you to ministry. And they're like, what? But with you, as you're talking, it's more just like this desire just to mm-hmm. share the Lord, share the Lord with people, right? Mm-hmm. Share, teach his word mm-hmm. and, and go to, especially youth, right? Who are in a, in such a troubled time with anxiety, depression, stress, all these things, suicide rates out the window, like all this stuff, right? And so it seems like there was never, and correct me if I'm wrong, there was never like a moment where it was like that one point that you can point to one one time where it's like, that's when I received my call to ministry, right? Yeah, I'm actually super glad you asked that because, yeah, I had no Damascus Road experience for this. Mm-hmm. I, when I first got to IWU, actually, I was like kind of taken aback by all these people being like, you're called the ministry. You're called the ministry. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. I remember my youth pastor talking about how he was running through a corn field once and like, that's when God called him. I'm like, I don't understand. What's a corn What's field? What's a corn field? <laughs> I'm from the West Coast. <laughs> uh, and so when I got here and everyone's like, yeah, write this paper on your call mm. to ministry. Yeah, wow. when's your call to ministry? I'm like, brother, I don't know. <laughs> um, huh. And so yeah. when I first read of this thing called the progressive calling, yeah, that's when I was like, that's me. It's just over time, little by little, God is just instilling more passion and discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, while there is no moment I could be like, this is when God calls me to mm-hmm. ministry, which is like when people say, when you go through a hard time in ministry, that's the point you could look back on. Mm-hmm. I don't have that. But I have these moments where every day God is telling me like, this is why you're here. He's reminding me like mm, yeah. every interaction I have a kid. Last night I was praying with a girl who's about to do a very big surgery. And I'm like, this is why yeah. I'm where I am. Max. Wow, that's so good. And how did that how that make you feel? You know, when you came to college and people are really talking about, oh, that one moment where the Lord really spoke to me, or some almost some miraculous thing happens where the Lord's like, Yeah, you're in you're I'm calling you to ministry, like a Damascus road. Was that challenging to hear from other people? And it's like Wait, why did that? Did you question, in a sense, your calling and what you felt you were being led by God into? Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, am I not called in a ministry? And then for a little bit, like, if I'm being completely honest, I'm like, am I even a Christian? Like, if I'm not called Mm. in a ministry and I'm going into this, like, what the heck am I doing here? Am I wasting my life going to school for something I'm not called to? Am I going to go into a profession where you don't make a lot of money and I'm not even supposed to be there? Mm. Like, how am I even supposed to reconcile this? Um, and just over time, God worked with me over, um, nights in my bedroom where I was like, what the heck am I doing here? Um, and again, it's nothing that was like, boom, this is where you're at. But knowing like people also struggle with their call to ministry. Um, and I hope whoever's listening to this, that they, if they don't have this huge experience, like this is, this is a sign for you that you don't have to have some big call to ministry to go serve the Lord. Yeah. Like you, you had this moment where you're just like, there's a need there's a hurt, I have the desire to help serve there, mm-hmm. right? Jesus calls us to go and share. And you're like, all right, instead of going, I may go to community and I'm going to stay and share, right? Mm-hmm. Like we, we, we highlight these big moments, right? We all do. Like we, we want the testimony of the drug addict, you know, that like yeah. was, was addicted and all of a sudden the Lord met them there, right? Which is amazing. But it's also amazing for the testimony that's like, no, I've, I've known Jesus since I was five, and I followed him every single day since then. Mm-hmm. What a beautiful testimony that is! Yeah, faithfulness, right? bro. And and so, like, my my question is kind of transitioning into your time at Gold Lake. So I know mm. you were yeah. you 
three years? Three years. So yeah. you were at a you were a camp counselor at mm-hmm. Gold Lake Ministries for three years. How has that played into your call? If that if that mm-hmm. has it all. Yeah, so Gold Lake has a big place in my heart. Obviously, there's always struggles in places where you have big hearts for. Um, but it is a place where I really learned what serving was like. Um, and a little bit of a thing about Gold Lake, right? Sometimes you have the counselor positions and you have like, you know, like the lifeguard and the ropes, but you also have something called the work crew um, where you're literally in the kitchen and you're doing dishes, clean side forever. It's where the clean dishes come out. I don't like the dirty side. <laughs> clean side forever. Woo. Woo. Amen. Um, but it's that concept of we all want those moments, right? Where you're praying with the kids, where you're having fun and the kids are getting baptized. Um, but you look at the moms and they're like, every time you ask a mom, what's one of your favorite things about Go Lake? They go, I don't have to cook. That's one of their favorite parts because this is a point where they're being served. Mm. Um, and so just for me, learning a heart posture of I am serving people. Um, and it, it looks like a different capacities, right? My passion is for youth. But sometimes seasons don't call for that. Sometimes seasons call for work crew. Um, overall, I did that for eight, nine weeks of my entire life um, over the last three years. Um, and... A little comparison, right? We have those moments where um, for high tide, which is middle school through high school, we went and washed kids' feet. And, man, that's such a powerful time when you're serving them in that way and you're washing their feet. And you tell them, like, hey, to to us today, that's a symbol, right? But Jesus actually was um, washing dirt and grub and all this stuff off their feet. Um, But then you'd go into the kitchens. But that's actually where washing feet took place, right? We are washing the tables where there's just crumbs everywhere and you're cleaning the bathrooms, right? And so ministry is serving and sometimes you're not going to like where you're serving, but that's where you need to be serving. And so um, that's one thing that Gold Lake really taught me is, you know, sometimes you have a passion and God put that passion in you, but sometimes seasons call for something else. Dang, that's, that's good. That's been like a theme um, that we've been running on, on this podcast where we see calls. And a lot of times, Right. There's times where your passions and your desires do line up with where God's called you. But then other times it's contrary to that. You know, mm-hmm. there's many stories of people being called somewhere. And they're like, I don't want to go there. Moses, Jonah, like you would go. The list could go on. Right. And and then we see people with on the, on this podcast where they were called and they're like, I had no desire to do so. Right. And then you talk about your passions for youth. And it's like, but if, if my time right now is to serve, then I'm going to serve. That wow, that's good. That's just about being faithful and obedient with whatever the heck God calls you calls you to. Um, my my kind of next question with with the calling, um, I think has to do with especially with people looking to come here mm-hmm. with being a Wesleyan school and how we affirm women in ministry. How has how has that played a role as you like coming into this call? Right as you said, a progressive call was. Growing up in that, when you came to the idea that you want to be a youth pastor in that, was your family supportive? Was your church yeah. supportive? Were they not? How how did people receive that with as you being a woman called to ministry? Yeah, so again, like looking at like not even knowing youth pastor's position, I had never seen a woman pastor before. Um, not because like my church was like against that, but small community, one pastor on staff, that's just how the way it was. Right. And so when I was like, okay, like this is something I could do and I told my parents, I was like, I think I might want to go into ministry. And my mom goes, that 
you don't make a lot of money in that. That's exactly what my mom said. <laughs> and they're in the school system, so if they're saying it, that's bad. <laughs> okay. um, Dang. <laughs> and my dad says now, he thinks it's so funny. He's like, I never would have guessed I was going to have a kid going into the pastorate. <laughs> um, but it's oh. not like a bad thing, but it's just funny where life takes you. Um, but yeah, they're super supportive of me now. Um, my pastor's super supportive. Obviously, at first it was like, oh, like you could make a great pastor's wife someday. But uh, as time went on, it's now developed to you are going to make a great pastor someday. Mm-hmm. Um, so even changing perspectives a little bit. Um, I'm pretty hard headed in some areas, so I don't I don't stand down when people kind of butt heads against me on that topic. But mm-hmm. um, I want to encourage every girl who is listening. I mean, we're a body and we all need to be used for the glory of God. Um, and so there will be people that you will face that are hesitant about women in ministry or flat out say, like, you shouldn't be in this position. Um, but from what I see in the word of God, it's telling me to go. Mm-hmm. And that's just what it's going to have to be. And so my family's pretty supportive. Obviously, uh, I have an older brother who's not a Christian. And so sometimes I'm like, oh, he must think I'm dumb or something, you know, going into this for my life. But um I don't think there's any other place that God's calling me to be. And so, like, that's just where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. And if you tried to be somewhere else, it'd be like Jonah be miserable, you know? Um, And then how has has coming here to Iwu helped helped affirm affirm that in you? Where here they they proclaim a lot about, yeah, we are, we affirm women in ministry. We want to be people who support them and have them in, in high positions, right? How, how has Iwu here, the professors, current, all that stuff, helped support support you or you seen support other women or just seeing a bunch of the women professors here. I mean, they are freaking oh, rock stars. Yes. You know what I mean? Oh. How has that been? Yeah, and so I was going to talk about the professors first, actually. Um, you have so many amazing women here are so intelligent um, that other places would love to have them just because they're so talented. And I think they've spoken a lot into me and they've been great examples for me just knowing their Bible and knowing their history and knowing, like, practicality you have professor shaw and dr cruz Mm -hmm. and dr elaine and all these people who are just amazing and it's like they've been doing this for a long time like women in ministry is not a new concept it's not like woke or whatever you want to call it (laughs) this is something that has been happening throughout entire church history um and one thing i gotta do because of iwu is go to the women's holiness movement uh conference down in texas over my last spring break um for free so just a shout out to them paying my way um and you just got to, i got to meet so many women who were doing such amazing things before i even knew ministry existed wow. you know and so just like being in a group of people that can come up alongside you and be like we are now passing the baton to you we see your gifts we see your talents you can do this go um it's just super empowering. It doesn't even matter. I don't even know half their stories who are there. There are hundreds of women there um, coming from different states, uh, race backgrounds, socioeconomic backgrounds. And it's like, wow, how cool is this that we're all in one place worshiping God and learning how to do ministry? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, Dang. just Iowa has been a great place. Um, it's also been a place where I've rubbed heads with people um, because – an institution isn't a single person, right? There are people everywhere who um, decide what they want to believe and go with that. Um, but you just bring the Bible to them and you use that. And you're like, mm-hmm. if you don't want to believe it, that's your fault. Yeah. yeah, I think that makes me the most upset. Some people have opinions or like are just solid on something. I'm like, okay, 
just tell me where it is in scripture and then I'll believe it. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what bothers me the most is when they don't have that backing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, you're, you're saying this, but yet you have no understanding of where it comes from. It's just simply like hearsay. And I think that's one of my pet peeves and yeah. something I'm like, I want to instill in, in the next generation, yeah. right? But like, you've mentioned how you have a desire for youth and you have a desire to to share with them. But like, is there something within youth ministry or even youth in general that you have like a desire for them to know, if that mm. makes sense? Like for me, I have a passion for educating youth on sexuality, right? Like I have yeah. a passion about that because it's, it's, a, it's a need, it's a hurt. And it's something in my life that, has really impacted me and I want to impact somebody else in that same way. Right. I think sometimes out of a lack of growing up, we have a desire to instill in the next generation. Yeah, that's and so true. do you have something like that with youth? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I have tons of things. I just am so excited to share with them. Uh, one of them again is like being a safe place for them to talk. Um, a lot of kids don't have that. They don't trust other people. Um, I want to be a place where they can go and they're like, my youth pastor is trustworthy with this. Obviously, you get things where you have to tell their parents. It's a matter of safety, and that's you have to do that. Um, I've had a few cases like that. Um, but another thing that I am super passionate about is equipping the next generation. Um, learning how to do inductive Bible study here really taught me how little I knew about reading the Bible. <laughs> yeah. Facts, dude. Such I was big like, facts. wow. <laughs> I was like, I'm an idiot. <laughs> I thought this passage meant this. I was wrong. Yeah, and so, like, teaching them to do that and then teaching them how to reciprocate that. And so um, there's something that's, like, if you don't know how to teach it, you don't actually know it. And so I want to equip them. I um, I have this little gifting of seeing where other people are gifted. And so, like, actually equipping them to, like, oh, you have a heart for, like, just, like, hands-on, uh, doing things with your hands, right? And so maybe this service project is where I want you to take the lead. Or you're just a super bubbly personality that loves meeting everyone, I'm going to have you be a host at the door mm. to welcome people in. Just little things to wow. get them equipping, to get them serving. Again, serving is um, something super close to my heart. And so if you teach the next generation, uh, the now generation, to serve, they're going to make such a big impact on the world because the world's going to see their actions and be like, they actually believe what they say they do. Wow, yep. that's that's so good. I, I also love, because I was on a podcast once with this guy named Michael Newton, and he was talking about how they run youth group and run with kids. And he's like, we figure out what they are gifted in, and then we resource them to do it. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what you said. You know, you find out what their giftings are, and then you place them in a spot to to thrive with mm-hmm. those giftings and their strengths. If they're gifted with hospitality, put them in a spot to be hospitable. If they're gifted with evangelism, put them in a spot to be evangelistic. You know, like that's, that's our job yeah. as pastors, you know. It's not about just pushing curriculum and what we want to do, actually getting them to be the hands and feet of feet of Christ. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's in the whole church. That's not just, that's not just youth group or something yeah. like that. But I love what you said with the IBS, like getting them, getting them into that, because what do you, what do you think about um, when, because I've had pushback in, in, I've heard with churches where it's, say a new youth pastor comes and wants to start going deeper in the word in this IBS idea. But then the other pastors are like, no, it needs to be more of like, entertainment in a sense you know what i mean <laughs> where it's like we need to get them here in their argument the argument's a good argument in the sense like it needs to be a safe space it needs to be a place where they can get away mm-hmm. but what 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 have you been thinking about with that as you talk about how it needs to be deeper how you want to go deeper into the word with them what have you been your thoughts on that so obviously you have to have some events where you go deeper and some events where it's a little bit lighter for evangelism you get that balance there mm. um but one thing that i think a lot of people are missing about 
uh, youth is that they are thirsty for the truth mm. and that they're looking for something to put their life in. Kids are willing to die for what they believe in. They just don't know what they believe in yet. Um, and so they are searching for things and they want things and they have no idea with this culture that is ever changing. Things that were popular a year ago are no longer popular anymore. Mm. But this the Bible has been going on for thousands of years and the truth still holds and they want to know that. I've actually already started in one of my youth groups. Um, I actually taught them some IBS terminology and they actually did it. Kids aren't dumb. No. They are so intelligent, yeah. especially with everything we're having them do, the AP classes, the college classes, the sports, the extracurriculars. They are juggling so much more than a lot of adults are. And so like pushing them is not going to push them away. It's actually going to make them lean in a little bit. Yeah. Wow. That's so. so good. That's a, yeah. I remember shout out to Grant Armstrong. I love I love this man and I love him for this how he led in a youth group that I was in under him and he wanted to transform and bring IBS into it and he came up with his whole curriculum how we we're going to do it every other week could be one week we study the scripture and study the passage say we went through Ruth cuz you know that's what we start with on IBS <laughs> but say you go through that and then I I remember sitting with like a couple of the kids and as we we're reading it encouraging them just to ask questions and dude they were asking what's Kingsman Redeemer why What's up with her laying at his feet? Like all these things. And I'm like, that's to do that's to do with the culture. And he goes, I remember Daniel, he's like, Well, if if a girl's laying at my feet, I would scream. <laughs> like they're just freaking out, you know? But they're realizing how different it is and mm -hmm. what they need to understand. Yeah. Then we help them go through like commentaries, which is a bit deep, which is sometimes yeah. too, you know, but that a youth passion can come in and help with that. But seeing them come to the conclusions that we came to in college mm -hmm. is like the word is meant for all ages. Yep. It's not it's not something that we just prepackage and, and shape it and change it for ages. No. Mm -hmm. The Bible was made for all people, all ages. And so these kids can take this and the Lord is working through them. So I, yeah. I freaking love what you're saying. I literally am in such agreement because I one of my biggest pet peeves is when people underestimate youth. Mm. They underestimate their capacity. They are so malleable, which is, you can be, that's a really, that can be a really bad thing. It's one of the it's greatest really things. It's one of the worst, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, if you can understand that youth are so, they have such a high ceiling, and then help walk alongside them to reach that ceiling. Mm. Teach them IBS. Teach them what it means to seek the Lord, right? I think one of the biggest problems that we have is we try to make youth group like a pizza party every single week. Yeah. Kids are, like you said, kids are willing to die for something. They just don't know what it is yet. They can get pizza at their house. Yeah. Yeah. Or at school. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like they can they can get pizza anywhere, but they can't get the word everywhere. Yeah. No, that's and so often you don't know how to read the word. And so so many bars of wisdom. But if you had one more to give, right? If you had one more piece one of more advice, bar. one more <laughs> something that you're just like, Yeah, I wish I would have known this when I was in high school. Like, what would that be? I wish I would have known just how much God is always refining you. There's always something new to learn. Um, and so, like, everything I have learned um, in my life, coming to college at Gold Lake, in ministry, um, it just is all summed up, and God is always showing you something new. Every year I can say, God has been teaching me this this month. Oh, God's been teaching me this year. There's always something that God has in the process. One thing's coming to a close, why something's in the middle, and one thing's in the beginning. Um, he's a holistic God and he's always trying to refine you to look more like him. And it's the most beautiful journey you could be on. And sometimes it's going to hurt and sometimes it's going to suck. But at the end, you know, a diamond comes out of it and 
will be more like Christ in the end. Dang, that's so good. I love, Amen. I love the whole refining thing. I love that. That spoke to me just because that's what I've been like thinking about. Was like, dang, we're always being refined, you know. Yeah. And I remember the analogy you're talking about silversmith. And it's like refinement leads to this purified silver mm-hmm. or gold, so you can see a reflection of himself. And so, like in us, and he's just like, keep going. But it has to keep going because yep. it's a process that will never stop until we're glorified with yep. Christ. Yep. That's that's a word. So and if you think you refined, made it, if you think you're refined, you better polish it up a little bit you more. You better realize <laughs> that you got some pride in your life, <laughs> and then he's gonna refine that too. Better when we talk about being perfect, as the as God is perfect, talking about progression that like is always going to keep happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not like you get to a yeah. point where you stop. You yeah. don't just reach a point and you're like, check, not gonna ever mess up again. It's like ah. Let's let's check that back Just again. Did. Yeah. <laughs> Dang. Well, thank you so much, Mickey. Yeah, yeah that was awesome. It was so fun having you on the podcast. <laughs> and it was such late notice. Yeah, and it's finals week. Yeah. yeah. So it's incredible. It's a stressful time. And you're going home. I guess you'd be home when this podcast drops. Oh, yeah. So, probably. Dude. Shout out Mickey. She's up in Oregon. <laughs> Future Mickey. It was fun having you on the podcast. Thank yes. you guys for Thank having you. me. Yeah. Thank you so much for making time. I really, really appreciate it. And listeners, stay tuned. We got more. And uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Adios. Adios. We'd also like to take a second to thank the School of Theology and Ministry at Indiana Wesleyan University for using their facilities. We want to thank the Call Collective for producing all of our podcasts. The Call Collective seeks to equip the next generation of ministry leaders. To find out more information, visit at thecalledcollective.org or check us out on Instagram at The Call Collective. Thanks for listening again and taking time in your day to have the chance to be formed by the conversations we have over coffee. See you guys next week.